So I want to thank everybody for all the contributions and prayer for India. That was not well for India, but actually the contributions went for China because they already got their money for India. So uh, anyways, we're headed out today. We leave at 6. We get the, to uh, Los Angeles, and we'll be leaving at 1.20 a.m. from Los Angeles to Beijing. So I'll call everybody, which it'll be about 4.20 here. I'll make sure I call you and let you know we got on the plane okay. So I got your numbers. I got this automatic call thing. <laughs> Calls when you get to Beijing. Yeah, well, actually it wouldn't be bad because it'll be, in, it'll be Monday evening here. But it'll be 5 o'clock in the morning there on Tuesday. So everything is 12 hours difference. It's going to be a, an interesting time, getting used to the time. Uh so I, had, I made an announcement last week. I got to de-announce it this week, which is sort of sad, but you know, I announced last week we were going to have a new grandbaby. Uh, Grace was going to have a baby, but she had a miscarriage Friday night, so not yet. Not, she's not having a baby yet, but she will be having one. She's doing great. She said she's got lots of sorrow, but more grace. And God's really been with her and helped her. So it's a sad thing, but we're trusting the Lord and believing God for, yeah, grace, grace, amen. That's, that's the thing. So that was, sort of, that was sort of a hard moment, but we wound up getting there at 1 o'clock in the morning, so I'm already getting into another time zone. <laughs> I hadn't slept too much lately. I've been saving it for the airplane. Hey, i got an announcement I want to make today, okay? This is sort of a semi-announcement, but... Uh, Several months ago, the Lord started speaking to me about our church, and I felt like the Lord wanted to tell me about an emphasis that He wants to bring in our church, sort of a new emphasis, um, and He really wanted us to change the name of the church. So we decided we were going to change the name of the church with this new emphasis. The new name of the church, the old name is River Life, one word, R-I-V-E-R, little L-I-F-E, but we're going to change it to R-I-V-E-R, big L, you got that? Big L. River life. In the Bible, in Ezekiel 47, it says, Where the river goes, what does it do? Brings life. Uh, Psalm 1, it says, Those who are planted by the river will, will, will prosper, and they will not wither even in times of drought. And so, see, that's really what the Lord is speaking. You know, uh, the river is a given. If you were hoping the river would go away, it will never go away ever, for eternity, because a river is coming from God's throne from the side of Christ, the Bible says. So that river is a real living river, but God really wants to, in this season in our church, He really has a real emphasis on, on releasing life. And so we decided we would change the name to River Life, so we'd come up with a new logos. Now, before we put the logo up, let me explain the logo situation to you. This was like the, the ultimate trip to go on is getting a group of people to come up with a new logo, okay? It was not the most fun. The number one thing I learned through this process is beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Everybody thinks something's beautiful that maybe nobody else thinks is beautiful, you know? Except for me and Becky and Marlon, we thought everything was beautiful. Every logo they came up with, we loved that. They came up with, no, we loved that one. You know, it was like we loved it all. But uh, it sort of came down, it did come down to this, People 50 and older have a different thought on what looks good versus the people 50 and younger. Except me, Marlon, and Becky. We loved everything. 
Okay, so, so what we wound up doing, we wound up going with what the people less than 50 loved the most. Okay, so we want to show that to you, what it looks like. You can, but wait, wait, wait. First of all, Brian, put that, uh, yeah, do y'all remember this, scenic highway ahead? You know, I told you a while back the Lord was speaking to us about making some shifts in our church. And uh, we're starting to get that. One of the scenic highways is Beijing. Uh, where they're going in India, you know, wherever, wherever it takes you, out the back door maybe in the field. That's the scenic highway back there also. But, so, but this is where we're going with the scenic high, highway. Uh, so here we are, Lord. We originally changed the name of the church from what it used to be to River Life. And the, Lord, the way the Lord spoke to me, he showed me an interstate and an exit called River Life. And it was time for us to get on that exit because that road was, we were on was running out. Well, this is the next, the scenic highway is River Life. Hey, they fixed that. They got it, the big L there. All right, let's look at the new logo. Yeah, looks nice, doesn't it? Now, I did have, I wanted to, there's a couple things I want to talk to you about, show you about. First, there's the tree that's planted by the river. Okay, yeah, it is really nice. I love it. Of course, I love the other ones, too. <laughs> but you notice the name River, Big L, Life. And fellowship.com for all the older people in here. I just want to tell you what that means, if, just in case you ain't doing Internet. That's our website. That's sort of the new thing is .com or .org or .net. That's people, a lot of people don't really didn't understand that for some reason. But that's, that's what they're doing now with signs. They're putting the, the website on it. So, All right, we have the tree. We have the river. Don't say anything about the river being white because you can only do so much with colors, okay? You can't magically make things do everything you would like for them to do. So, the color. Yeah, I think that bulb is starting to burn out. Yeah, that's the right. I think the bulb up there is starting to die. We're going to have to get another bulb, Brian. That's a sad day. Bulbs are sad here because you have to get in the high ladder. If you don't like getting on ladders like I don't, it's a bad day. Uh, scenic Highway. You see the Scenic Highway there? Go to the next slide, Brian. And so there's what it's going to look like. There's a business card. What is the back, the front and the back. Okay, and that's the way the sign's going to look. Doesn't that look good? So we're going to go ahead and start making this uh, transition, you know. Hopefully when I get back, maybe we'll have a new sign out front. Who knows? It's actually one word, but it's... With the L, so I guess technically it's two words. Yeah, like McDonald's, one word. John always comes up with stuff like that. I didn't know. Uh, I, I thought it was always one word at McDonald's. I didn't know it was really two. But Brian has really, uh, this was a very learning process, man. It is really hard to do something like that and have people scrutinize it. And people really scrutinized what he did. And he, it was, he took it like a champ. So I want us to give Brian a big hand. It's, it's one thing when you're preaching, people bad-mouthing you're preaching and all that, you sort of get used to it and you don't care. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Yes, riverlifefellowship.com. Yeah. Huh. It's all lowercase. 
It doesn't matter. It wasn't, doesn't matter. For all you who don't understand the Internet, it doesn't matter. It's all lowercase. We're going to train y'all in the, the day's version. You're going to have to sooner or later convert over to the Internet and all that, the information age. Also, Heather worked really hard on this because she sort of kept it all together and kept everybody from fighting and told the people who were trash-talking stuff to, you know, back off, you know. Had to tell the people, because y'all need to back off of those comments, man. You're mean. So... Yeah, so she did. Let's give Heather a big clap. So that's the new name, River Life. Everybody say life. That's really what God wants to do is life. He's interested in life. And the the river, I don't care how y'all say it. The river is a given because without the river, you don't have the life. And y'all know the river is the Holy Spirit, right? The river is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. John 7, 37 through 39, out of your bellies will flow rivers. And there's also an external river that God is releasing in the earth. And sometimes when you don't experience the external rivers, because God wants you to release it. And you to be the releaser of it. Yeah. There you go. Revelation. Look at it. Look at it. Man, come on. We're getting more stuff on this. I like that. Well, that's really true. The river really connects you with the heavenly realm. And helps you connect with the, 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 the revelatory realm of heaven. And that's what uh, uh, Tony felt that angel this morning. And he was saying, I, it feels it's different, you know. And that's, I'm really was excited that he said those one things to me. He was able, able to distinguish between an angel's presence and the Holy Spirit's presence. They're completely different. You know, so he's, he's a guy who's really learning how to distinguish when the difference between an angel and the Holy Spirit. You know, of course, you know, the Holy Spirit is God and the angel is less than God. So there you go. I gave you a big hand. It has a different presence. But you know how angels get their glory, don't you? They, listen, here's what, literally, angels get their glory from God. They're in the presence. There's some angels that have been on the earth for a long time that don't have glory on them. You know why? Because their glory fades when they're away from God. And so you could see an angel and it didn't look glorious. It might look like a, a human being. You know, I'm talking about seeing a, uh, into the spirit world and seeing an angel that doesn't look so glorious. It's because he hasn't been in heaven in a long time. There's people who've gone to heaven and their angel was excited that they were going to heaven because they, they have not been in heaven so long. They said they were excited that they were getting to go. This is true stuff. I'm telling you it is. And you'll know one day when you go to heaven. But you can know before you go to heaven if, if you were interested in that kind of thing, which I'm interested in that, obviously. Y'all good? Are y'all, all right, so I got a quick message. I went over it in the first service. I didn't mean to, so I'm going to try to do it fast and furious. Okay? But I want to talk to you. This is something the Lord really is doing right now. Okay? This is a one-shot message. Okay? I don't really like to do one-shot messages anymore. I like to do messages that are all connected. But this was one, because I know the Lord's doing it. In fact, another thing that really encouraged me about what Tony saw when he said that angel was here to break heavy chains it's called the hard thing. Everybody say the hard thing. The Lord's really been speaking to me. He said, you, it's time for you to start going after the hard stuff. Okay? You know, it's sort of, it's scary to go after the hard stuff. Um, Franny told me a story about when she was in Mozambique in the, in the church that meets in the dump over there with the little children. When she got, you know, was over there, it's one thing you're hearing all these stories. There's nothing when you're facing these little kids that are ate up with sores and messed up and you're, you're sort of feeling inadequate. 
And so she was saying all they want to do is put peroxide on them, you know. But Heidi Baker said, no, you need to pray for them. You know, you need to go after it. And see, that's really what God's called the church to do. But I know a lot of times when we are facing those very difficult things, it's, you sort of get a little bit of chicken on you. You know, but the Lord's saying now it's time to go after the hard things. And that angel here this morning, I really believe, was, is a breakthrough type angel. And I believe he's here because we've responded to the Lord uh, that we want to go after the hard things. Okay? We want to go after the hard things. And we're going to go after the hard things. Because I believe if we can go to the hard things, the, the easier things will come easier too. But that Luke 4, 18 and 19 that I shared about last week, man, I got a lot of comments off that message last week. I mean, a lots of comments. I got people, people took pictures of it. Grace was actually, had one picture. She actually came close to doing a tweet post with that, saying, saying this is how Easter is at River Life. You got somebody sitting on somebody's shoulder. I'm not going to do that today, but... But Matthew did say he got an impartation. It'd be worth it. I would let somebody sit all over me if the Lord did something in me, you know. So that Jesus does some stuff sometimes that don't, doesn't make a whole lot of natural sense. But that's what the, the, she got that in Luke 4, 18 and 19 in 1999, the first time she ever went to the place we're going in China, when she just visited there. When I told her that was what the Lord spoke to me about going, she said, I got that scripture you know, almost 11 years ago. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? So God, God is really interested in setting captives free, healing broken hearts, opening blind eyes. So that's really, really what we want to do. I, I don't want to just do it in China. I, we need to do it everywhere. That's the Spirit of the Lord coming on you. But, but I wanted to read these scriptures and talk to you just a little bit about going after the hard thing, okay, because this will really speak to you. It's, uh, this is a, one of the favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, it's when Elisha got, his, got the mantle, the double portion from Elijah. Second uh, Kings 2, 9 through 14. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? That was a good day, right? That's a, don't you want to hear somebody just say that to you? What do you want me to do for you before I go? Especially somebody of Elijah's caliber. That would be a good day. You'd be excited. Elijah said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. A double portion. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Okay, now I want you to get the picture here. Think about who said that. And he never said that ever in the Bible. Okay, before that. Here's a guy who opened heaven... Okay, and brought fire down. Okay, here's a guy who closed heaven for three years where it wouldn't rain. And then at his prayer, heaven was opened again and it rained. Here's a guy who raised a child from the dead. Here's a guy who oversaw the slaughter of a bunch of demonic uh, priests. Okay, and this is what the Bible says. This is what he said. He didn't say nothing. He said, no, that stuff's hard. But he says, Elisha, you're asking for something hard. Okay, so a lot of times in our lives... The hard thing is not what you think. Okay, but I guarantee you, everybody in this room has something hard in your life you're dealing with. Everybody in this room, we've got stuff, prayers that haven't been answered, right? You maybe have a healing you not received. Maybe there's somebody that you love has not been saved. Whatever it is, there's a hard thing, okay, in everybody's life. If you ain't got one today, by tomorrow you'll probably have one. I just preached it on you. I'm sorry. But I'm going to tell you how to get, get the answer because God is interested in dealing with hard things. 
So that's, that's what we want, we want to talk about is the hard thing. All right. Um, so he said, you ever ask the hard thing? Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. So here's a key right here for your hard thing. You know, God has parameters on things He does. Okay? Things don't just happen automatically. We think God's going to do these major things in our life without us, but He's not interested in doing that. I'm going to tell you that right now. I can tell you that right now. Everybody in the Bible who really had something from God, they played a part in getting it from Him. Okay? So here's a, here's a thought. Put this thought in your mind. God values us being aggressive with Him more than he values us being passive. You got that? God values us being aggressive with him more than he values us being passive. Everybody in the Bible who had something from the Lord, think about the people who really got stuff from God in the Bible. They were aggressive. Solomon got wisdom. Why? He asked for it. He went after it. And it came to him in a dream, by the way. Okay? Solomon got the wisdom and became the wisest man on earth out of a dream he had. God visited him in a dream and put wisdom into his heart. Didn't put it in his brain, he put it in his heart, said. That's kind of important to get that about dreams. Things can happen in dreams. Impartations can happen in dreams. That was a pretty powerful impartation, I would think, to get the wisdom he had. Uh, Caleb, think about Caleb. He was another Old Testament character. Remember Caleb? He was one of the original spies. Him and Joshua were only two that said, no, we can do it. They didn't get in. Forty years later, they're, they're taking over the promised land. Joshua's in charge. What does Caleb do? He goes to Joshua and says, I want my inheritance. He didn't wait for Joshua to come to him and say, oh, oh yeah, Caleb, I remember. Yeah, I remember, Caleb. Yeah, 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 you got to inherit. No, Joshua was not going to come to him. He had to go to Joshua. Okay, and he said, I want my inheritance. He said, well, you can have this mountain, which was Hebron, but there happens to be giants up there. I can take the giants. I'll go after Give me the giants. Give me the hill. I'll take them out. And he did. It's because he was aggressive. The woman at the well. Not, well, the woman at the well really was somebody who got something from God. She's not normally one we think of as being aggressive. Okay, but she really was. She was so aggressive, she went back to town and got all the men to come and see what the Lord had done. Okay? She was one of the first evangelists in the Bible. I mean, I heard one person say the first evangelist in the Bible was a woman. So if you're a woman, really, think about it. She went and got the whole town. They were all getting saved because of her testimony. If you're a woman today, that might be a good, good thought for you. First evangelist in the New Testament, a woman. Well, the, the other woman was the woman with the issue of blood who wasn't even supposed to be even touching people because she was unclean according to the laws of that day. And she was busting her way through a crowd just to touch Jesus. Okay? She had to push her way through that crowd. There's a crowd of people. In fact, it was so crowded when they, the disciples were like, what? You said, who touched me? Come on, are you kidding me? Look at all these people around you. So there was a mob of people around Jesus. She was aggressive. She went after, after it. You know, Peter walked on the water because he said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. I'll come. The other people didn't do that. So he got to walk on the water where everybody else didn't. So that's the kind of heart that God wants us to have like Elisha had, is he wanted something. He went after it. So we can become passive Christians who, who expect, you know, are looking for God to do something, and you're not going to really get. It's like some per, one person said, I don't know, remember who it was, but he said, everything that you need to live, God's going to give it to you. Now, he's going to get it, make sure you have a shelter over your head, some way even if it's a cardboard box. 
you know, somebody's going to bring you some food. But everything you really want to, to prosper and be abundant in your life, you're going to have to go after it with God. It's just not going to fall out of heaven into your lap. Yeah? Is that right? So what we have to do is be careful about the spirit of being passive, you know? Because there's a passive spirit on a lot of people. A lot of Christians are very passive, very dull in their, their Christianity. Uh, let me think. Let me read this scripture to you. Let, let me put it up right quick, and then we'll go back and read the rest of, of this thing. Uh, now to him, this is Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, that's pretty good, exceedingly abundantly. You think God's trying to give us, get us to think indifferent? Exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. In other words, he's saying there's no, you cannot ask me for anything you cannot ask me for anything that I don't have something bigger in mind. Now, that's really the heart of the Lord. The Lord's saying you need to start thinking in that exceeding, abundant mindset. If you're going to go after the hard things, you've got to think big. You can't, be, you can't think little. You've got to think big. Okay? Above all, we have to ask for that according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, I love what the... Guy said to Paula Orrick, I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. When we were over in Africa, there was this healing guy over there. And Paula was saying, well, my experience with healing, and she was just telling her about all her disappointment and failure with healing. And he interrupted her right in a minute. He said, wait a minute, your experience, your experience doesn't count. Your experience means nothing. This is what the Bible says. I, that was a pretty sharp rebuke. I mean, I, I was so sharp, I was that I was about five people behind them. Because you know? I think a lot of us, our experience dictates to us more than what the Word of God says to us. Amen? So we can't live on what our experience are. We've got to live on what He said. And He's saying, think big. Think big and be big. All right. Blind Bartimaeus. He was another guy who got something. I love him. He was not going to allow people to tell him to shut up when Jesus was coming by. He wanted to see. So he just said, no, I'm going back to the Lord. And the Lord heard it. The Lord heard him crying out to him. He heard that aggressive, aggressive nature in him going after the thing he needed. And he got it. God really wants us to do that. Um, so he's, let's go back to that uh, Second Kings. Then it happened as they continued on to walk. Then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire. That's pretty good, isn't it? Chariot of fire and horses of fire. That would be a pretty intense thing. And separated the two of them. You know, I don't really know what that means right there, separated, but it seems like to me the way it's said is they were walking along, there was a little bit of space between them. And all of a sudden, this fiery horses and chariots started coming in. They had to get out of the way, you know, because something was happening. Something intense was happening. Now, you imagine if a fiery chariot came into this room right now. It probably came with a lot of noise. Fire makes noise. Fire in the spirit realm makes noise. There was probably a, a roar going on, a powerful roar. There he was. I just want you to get the picture. There he was. There's Elijah on one side of the chariot, Elijah on the other side. And this thing's burning. It's roaring. You know, heaven's open. It is a big-time day. You know, I mean, it's big. He's thinking about this double portion he's going to get, this hard thing. And he sees this chariot come out, come out of heaven. I think he's probably excited. Would you be excited? So he, uh, and Elisha saw it. Well, let me, yeah, let me just read. Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, remember these words, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. 
And so he saw him no more, meaning Elijah. And he took off his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. Notice that happened. Now, how many people in this room believe like much of the church believes is that Elijah was taken up to heaven in that fiery chariot? But he wasn't. I tricked you. I've seen pictures in Bibles of Elijah going to heaven in his fiery chariot, but that is not what's in the Bible. It says, I just tricked you. I'm sorry I tricked you. Uh, It says, Elijah, verse 11, went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now, remember what Elijah told Elisha? Elisha, if you can see me, go to heaven. And then God sends a fiery chariot between them. Now, if it would be me and you, we'd be so enamored with that fiery chariot, we wouldn't give a rip about Elijah all of a sudden, right? I mean, I wouldn't. That's why it was hard. Because there was a phenomenon happening that was awesome, powerful, wonderful, glorious. But he knew that he had to keep his eye on. See, he had a parameter. He had to keep his eye on Elijah to get what he wanted. And Elijah was taken on up in this whirlwind. And so he wasn't caught up with the chariot. He was caught up with what was happening with Elijah. And he saw him go to heaven. And then all of a sudden, it was gone. Can you imagine the death silence that happened once he's gone, the chariot's gone? It's dead silent all of a sudden. A pin could drop in the wilderness. I I can just imagine how that happened. You know, and he looks around like, what in the world? (laughs) Can you imagine that? What happened? (laughs) Did that really happen? Did I really see that? Did Elijah really go up? You have spiritual experiences. That's a lot of times I'm like, did that really happen? Was that real? I remember one night, one of the most powerful experiences I had. Did that happen to me? That was my first words out of my mouth when I came out. It was like I was in a trance. Did that really happen to me? You know, that's what happens. You know, a lot of times you just don't know. You know, you don't know what happened. Anyways, I want to, he, 13, he took, he, all right, wait, wait a minute, yeah. He took, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. So the only thing that was left from Elijah was the mantle that was there. Elijah was gone, his little mantle, his scarf or cloak, whatever, you know, that was, some kind of thing he wore over him. Now, I, this is sort of a diversion for a moment, but I want to just say what that, that, that thing, that thing had something in it, that mantle did. It had, it had Elijah's DNA in it. And when he picked that thing up, he got Elijah's DNA. Except he got two times the amount. Okay? Let me go ahead and say this. I'm taking down rabbit trails. Did you know that Elijah did exactly twice the number of miracles that Elijah did? Double portion, twice. Except for if you read the Bible, there was one missing. You know that? You read all his miracles. If you went and read the Bible and took, made a list of all his miracles, it'd be one less than two times as many. And God was in heaven laughing at everybody because they think he didn't do it until, but he did do it because he was died. And one day these people were doing a funeral for this poor guy and they were going to bury this poor man. And they looked up and saw these raiders, these robbers coming and they got scared and they tossed this poor man into the grave and his body just happened to hit Elisha's body. And guess what happened? The guy just jumped up alive. It was Elisha's last miracle. And God was saying, Jonah, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. 
take and not quit taking his vitamins. When he died, they messed your word up. And don't you love God? He always makes his stuff work. He got some juice on him, man. He's dead and people are still getting raised from the dead. Are y'all okay? I'm here yelling. I ain't yelling in China. I, I will tell you this. I'm yelling today, getting it out on me, because Christine said, she, Christine said, Byron, there's one thing you cannot do over there, and I will rebuke you if you do it, is you cannot yell. Because the place we're going to be ministering is, there's an underground school in a high-rise apartment building. And if you start yelling, people are going to know you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, and the police will come and lock you up. And then they'll throw me out of the country and they'll imprison these poor people and they'll be tortured over my yelling. So I would need to be rebuked. So I thought, I'm just going to yell them out today. I ain't going to have no yelling at the man. I'm just, just Get the juice out. All right. Anyways, the DNA. Back to the DNA. Are y'all okay? Remember the DNA. You see, every, every person has a DNA that God has ordained for them spiritually. And that is the most precious thing that we have is to know what our DNA is, to understand. I began to discover DNA years ago when I heard Jack Hayward say something. Y'all know Jack, head of the Foursquare. Jack Hayward said this. He's talking about Foursquare denomination. He said, you know, that's not the best denomination there is, but it's who God, it's who God made me. He made me a Foursquare guy, and that's what I'm going to be, the best I can be. Okay, so he was just saying, it ain't the best, but this is who God made me. See, that's what we've got to come to. We've got to find your, find your DNA, your spiritual heritage. And you've got to go with that. You've got to live with that. You've got to be that. And if you'll do that, you'll be successful in your spiritual life. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it looks like. Because honestly, our DNA that we have is not it's It ain't better. There's probably a lot better DNA out there. But the worst thing you could do, and this is the truth, if you're a white guy trying, you ever seen a white guy try to act like a black guy? It's a joke because he's trying to be something he's not. He can't be a black guy. He's a white guy. Be a white guy. Let the black guys be that because you're just a fake. A lot of Christians are fakes because they want to go join themselves that looks something that looks good instead of going for what's real. And you can find out what you're doing. You can identify it. It'll speak to you. It'll, it'll speak to your heart. Like, That's my DNA. You know, and one of the people who really helped us discover our DNA is, is 98 years old. Is going to be here Wednesday night, old Arthur Burt. And Arthur Burt got a lot of his DNA, got that DNA from the Welsh Revival. That's where a lot of it came from. I don't know where else it came from, but he passed it along to <clears throat> actually Mary Mead's grandfather, Amy's grandfather, Harry Bazell, Lamb's Chapel. And I believe that's a real DNA, and I'm happy with that DNA. I've settled I like that DNA. I want that DNA. That's what God has assigned us. That's, you know, if you want to know our real assignment as a church, that DNA. Take care of that DNA. Propagate that DNA. Get to find some people who are supposed to have that DNA and let them have that DNA. You know, it's good DNA. It's Holy Ghost DNA. It really is. Anyways, that's the DNA. That's the mantle. Are y'all good still? All right. Uh, one of the things the Bible teaches us, it says the kingdom of God suffers violence and violent men take it by force. Okay, that's what it, 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 it speaks to us. It speaks to us about having a, a, getting over this being passive spiritual, getting over this just sitting back waiting for something to happen in your life, getting over like, you know, well, they got something I don't. Why do they have it? Because they went after it. Okay, we're not talking about striving in the flesh. 
Okay, and all that crazy stuff. We're talking about the Holy Spirit inspired fire in you to go after the things of God that God has created you and put you on this earth for. Instead of just being a passive, halfway Christian, thinking that you're going to have some victorious Christian life sitting back, thinking all this stuff's going to come to you. It's not. It's like when I heard somebody say this recently about hanging around with other Spirit-filled Christians. Like you think you got something because your friends are really Holy Ghost people. You think you're a Holy Ghost people because your best friend is, and you're not. Your, be- your best friend is. You hear that? You think, a lot of times we think we're something because we're hanging around with like these spiritually minded people, but we're, we're just hanging around with them. We need to be that. We need to be that ourselves, is what I'm saying. And not be passing about it. Not think just because we're around it, we have it. I'm just talking people around spiritual stuff that don't have it themselves. And God wants everybody to have it. Everybody can. Are y'all following that? All right, well, here's what happened. I'm running out of time. A long time passed, and it was time for Elisha to die. Okay, his life was starting to come to an end. His, his ending was not as glorious as Elijah's ending. There weren't no fiery chariots. There weren't no whirlwinds. There weren't none of that stuff. He was sick. That's what the Bible is amazed at that. Why in the world did he get sick and die? Why couldn't God just take him? But God does what he does. It said in verse 14, say it, Kings 13, 14, Elijah had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, now here's the king, came down to him and wept over his face. Wept over his face. Now that man, Joash, was, he, he, was, he was in a serious moment in his life because the Syrian army had piled, piled in on top of Israel. And they, that Syrian army was no army to mess with. They were vicious. They were mean. They were full of hate. And they were killing people. And they were going to kill Israel. They were going to destroy Israel. And Joash went and wept. I mean, wept. Somebody needs to weep. And so he wept over this man because he, here's, here's my man. He's dying. I've depended on him. And now these people are coming to get us. So that's really what was going on. You just get a picture of what was the intensity. It was an intense moment, but it wasn't like the other intense moment. It was a weeping moment. But he said something. He said something. I guarantee you, Elisha had met with that man many times. Met with many kings, many people, did many things. But this day was a different day. And this is what I want you to get. There comes a day in every one of our lives, day or days, moments in our life, when there's something that happens spiritually. Okay? And if we are not careful, that thing will happen and pass us by. And we'll miss that moment. And that's what happened here. Here's what Joash, he said something to Elisha. Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. The very words, the very words that came out of Elisha's mouth when Elijah was being taken up. I just read it to you. Do you think when he heard those words coming out of Joash's mouth, he knew, "Uh uh-oh, there's something fixing to happen. Because I remember the day when I said those words. He knew it. It was a clue. He knew God had sent Joash there. He knew that Joash was probably the man to take the mantle. He was the man that was going to take this thing, this prophetic anointing, this power anointing. He He was going to be a king and a prophet. I can just imagine that. 
he was probably rejoicing in his heart. Here is the man that's going to take this mantle. And who knows what he's going to do with it? Who knows what he's going to do with it? Because he's the king, and me and Elijah, we were just prophets and sort of rejected by everybody. None of that's, none of that's in the Bible. I'm just sort of putting a picture in your mind. Because obviously, something was going on for him to say those same words. It was a prophetic moment. It was a power moment. It was a heavenly moment. It was a door open from heaven at that moment in Joash's life for the nation of Israel. Okay? So here's, let's read. Y'all know what happens. As Andy said, this is the bad part. And Elisha said to him, take, take a bow and some arrows. So Elijah, Elisha was starting to do some stuff here. Take a bow and some arrows. And I love this, how the Bible lays this out. This is crazy. Don't do this everywhere. Take a bow and arrow. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. <laughs> it's like it's going to give us every little detail. Sometimes it skips detail. This time it's giving us every detail. Like, okay, we didn't really know need to know he did that. You can say he did it. He didn't have to be so specific, but he did. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on the bow or on it. And Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. Now notice this. See, this is a picture of what happens in our lives at these moments many times. God is there. God is speaking. God has put his hand on you. He's got in your hand. He's right there. Oh, God. Oh, God. The prophet's got my hand. I feel the presence of God. Is that the way we are? We're sad. I wouldn't get in a fight with him. When he was a little boy, he got some boxing gloves for Christmas and he got one of those masks. And we were boxing and I went, caught his little nose. It was one of those days I felt really bad giving my baby a bloody nose. The other worst time in my life was this, okay? One time we were eating breakfast before church and Aaron was a little boy. I'm sort of giving y'all some relief of all my craziness. Aaron was a little boy, and we was eating his eggs, and he wouldn't eat. And I said, Aaron, I'm going to whip you if you don't eat your eggs. That's not a good thing. I believe in whipping, but not for not eating eggs. And he wouldn't eat them. And I whipped him. Then he threw up. And he kept throwing up. And he kept, the, he was sick as a dog. I'm thinking, oh, God. That haunted me for years. It was one of a turning point in parenting for me. I thought, I can't be that kind of daddy. That's a mean daddy. Whipping your kid, he's sick. So I just tell these kids, they want whatever y'all want to eat. Eat what you want. If you want to eat sugar, eat it. I don't care. I, you let the mamas deal with the eating. I'm a daddy. Mamas, y'all deal with eating. I do do some other stuff. Anyways, that was a hard day. I can still see that in my mind. I felt bad about it for years. And the devil kept reminding me about it. Anyways, back to the story. So he put his hands and he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the heir of the Lord's deliverance and the heir of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. That was powerful. He knew God had done something. He knew God had done something. He knew God had, there was a breakthrough. There was power released. There was a God moment. You know, there was a God moment. There was a God moment. God moment. How many people in here have got their God moment? Something happened. And two weeks later, 
and find out something didn't happen so good. A part of it. And that's really what happened. Because it wasn't all things. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king, he'll strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. And that's a sad moment. Because here's what, here's what happened. Here's a man who was passive. Here's a passive man. He was doing everything as long as the anointing was there, felt. As long as the hand was on him and he was doing everything. But the moment that hand stepped back and said, I've got you this far now. Finish it. Finish it. He backed off. I don't know. It never seemed fair to me because he didn't tell him how many times to strike it. Okay? He didn't tell him that. I'll be honest with you. But obviously in God's eyes, he wasn't happy with it. Because God was saying, you've got to go after this thing. You want them people destroyed, you better start hitting the ground hard, boy. And you better not back off until you have won the victory. And a lot of people, that's what they do. Oh, they got the victory. They are so messed up. Their lives. They're, are, well, we just get dull sometimes, don't we? And the things of God don't seem so real. And we are all consumed with the cares of this life. I'm not even talking about bad things. I'm talking about the cares of this life. They're eating us alive. And there's a door open in heaven. And we're all worried about this or that. And there's this door. And the Lord's saying, your door's open. But you're over here thinking about whatever. This good stuff to think about, but you're consumed by it. And it's made you lethargic spiritually. So the only way you can work, if I had to just grab you and you know, walk you around. Did y'all follow that? And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you destroyed him, but now you will strike Syria only three times. In other words, you're not going to get that breakthrough. You'll get a measure, but they're going to come back on you, and they're going to get you. See, I think it is the irony, it's, it's ironic that God said that. God did all that. See, that's, that's what he was trying to tell us. He was trying to tell us something in this story. He was trying to tell us that there's, there's a moment that comes in everybody's life, and he wants us to pay attention to that moment. He wants us to be ready for that moment. And he didn't want us to go halfway through the door. He wants us to go all the way through. He wants us to keep striking until we see God do what he's supposed to do. Okay? He wants us to be alert spiritually. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to be lethargic. He doesn't want us to be dull. He wants us to be paying attention to what the Father's up to and joining Him with it. That's really what he, He's trying to teach us about this. And any, if we're not, we're going to miss it. We're, we're going to miss our moment. Joash missed his moment. The manna was trying to pass to Joash, but he never got the manna. He was lazy or just, just wasn't there. So I think, you know, for me, this is the way I've been in my life. I've had a concern for our country. A real concern for our country. Okay, so for me to go to another country was not really my, my plans. That wasn't like I'm thinking. I'm thinking the United States, man. We've got to get this country back to its roots. We've got to get this country. I, what, what's this business of going to other countries? But here's what the business is. And this is what we really need to hear today because I believe we have a prophetic moment in this nation. But I think most of the church is distracted with other things, and we're consumed with other things. And here what God's saying, it's a moment for you. Because the Syrians are bearing down you boys hard, and y'all need to rise to the occasion and strike the ground and start shooting arrows. But you need to do it all the way. The first pastor at Jamestown, 
came to America, wasn't a very good guy. In fact, he was a bad guy. His wife committed adultery on him over in England, and they moved him to another church. Guess what he did? He committed adultery. I'm telling you about the first pastor of the United States. This is the truth about him. He committed. They, the church of England shipped him out of here, stuck him on that ship. Get rid of him. <laughs> He's causing trouble. He's worthless. And he gets over there, and the Holy Ghost gets on this guy. Okay? He, he becomes a Holy Ghost guy. He comes to America. He steps there, and he prays over the United States and dedicates it to the gospel, the preaching of the gospel worldwide. God heard that prayer. God, that was God's prayer. God prospered America. God blessed America because God wanted America to bless the world. God wanted America to send missionaries all over the world. God wanted America to take care of us. So I don't mind asking people to help us go to China or anywhere else. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's why we have the prosperity. And that's why we're going to lose the prosperity when we lose that vision for that. Y'all following that? And so that's why. And so we've got to see we're in a prophetic hour in this nation where the Lord's saying, he, we need to start rising up right now. We need to really get the breakthrough for this country. I really believe that. Are y'all, are y'all following that kind of thinking? Well... So let's not be dull to this urgent hour we're living. So I want to finish right quick. I'll give you three. I want to do something practical for you, okay? How you, here's three practical things you and I can do every day of our life, okay? If you will do these three things, it'll help you. This is, this is what you call being alert spiritually. This is what I've put in practice in my life, and this works. And it's right out of the Bible. Number one, every day get filled with the Holy Spirit. And, that, and this is what that means when I say that. This means having a real encounter with the Lord every day of your life. The Bible in the Old Testament speaks about the do, the do in that one Psalm 133, blessed, the do, it's like the do of somebody somewhere. Every day, that's what it's telling us, every day the do falls in the natural. You can walk out there and feel the grass wet. That's the, what the Spirit's saying every day He wants to come onto your life. It's having, some, it's, it's having a real encounter with the Lord. Every day of your life, you can have that encounter where He fills you and touches you in some way with this, this real exchange. If you're reading the Bible, just say, I got my Bible reading done, I got my praying, I went down my list right quick, you know, and didn't pay a bit of attention to any of it. That's not it. That ain't going to, don't do it. I'd say forget it. Don't read the Bible. Go clean the toilets. It'd be just as well because it's not going to happen. But if you're saying, Lord, I want to have an encounter with you, I want something real with you. I want you to fill me. I want you to touch me. I want there to be a real exchange. You may not get drunk. You may not have a vision. You might not be yelling and screaming at that moment, but you can get touched by God. And if you get drunk, it's better. Just don't be driving. The marshals had a person at their meetings over Chris and Eric over at their meetings over in England, and this woman was at the meeting, got so drunk, and got pulled on the way home, driving under the influence. She said, I'm not under the influence. This is the Holy Ghost. They had to talk to the cop about it. I'm serious. They told me that. I'm serious. That's pretty good. It'd be great when we got pulled for being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and the cops got touched. Like, whoa. What is that? The Holy Ghost. He's good. Yeah, he's real good. Anyways, but I am telling you, we can have this encounter with the Lord every day of our life. Number one. Number two, that's... That's Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the Spirit. Number two, Jesus said, freely you have received, what? Freely give. In other words, every day of your life, make it a, a, a intention, make it a goal, 
every day of releasing something spiritual out of you, releasing that thing in you. It can and anybody can do this. Even if you are around no other human beings, if you're just stuck in your house, you can get a burden for prayer and release something in the spirit through prayer. You see what I'm saying? It can be something as simple as that, or it can be as profound as going and laying hands on somebody and seeing them healed or just ministering the love of God, or going to your neighbor, picking up the trash in your ear, something. Just say, Lord, my intention is every day of my life, I am going to let this river in me. I'm going to let the Spirit of God flow out of me. I'm not going to live my life for myself. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to remember. Now, I'm not talking about having a checklist. Let's just take it off. Oh, I've got to feel the Spirit. I've got to deny. I didn't help somebody. I've done my deeds, God. I'm talking about being real to you. Like, you're focused on that. That's a real thing in you. Okay? Get filled with the Spirit. Release it some way. The third one, y'all going to love this, is what the Bible says, and it does actually say this, take up your cross daily. Ain't that wonderful? Take up your cross. Woo. For years I struggled. Let me, I'm, I'm going to finish, but this is the truth. I'm going to tell you how to take up your cross. Because I've struggled for that for years. That take up your cross. Deny your flesh and take up your cross. What does that mean, Lord? Because every time when I start trying to deny my flesh, it's like the example. This is a bad example. Becky will slap me down when I get home. It's like, don't look at that girl. Okay, don't look at the girl. No, 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 don't look at the girl. You know, the thing you focus on, you're going to do. Like, if you're focusing on doing these, not doing these bad things, if that's your focus, you are going to do those bad things. You focus. What you focus on, you're going to do. But here's what the Bible says. Now, this really is the truth. I shared it a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to share it again because I want you to get it. You can control your thoughts. That's the most practical way I know to taking up the cross. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Remember that? And that sound mind means a mind with boundaries. A mind that has control of what comes in it and what goes out of it. And what I've learned, I've learned this. I've learned it by practice. That I can control everything that comes in my mind. I do not have a passive mind. What I mean by passive, I've got an active mind, but it used to be real active, but it was passive. I mean, I'd be thinking about anything. I don't any thought that came out would think about it. I don't care what it was. If it was bad, I thought about it. Because I had a passive mind. And my thing, I was fat. But then I realized God didn't create me to have a passive mind. He created me with a mind to control, a mind to control what comes into it, a mind that has boundaries on it that can say, "You're not welcome here." You know, they gave you that picture, and this picture works if you want a good picture. So I would take the thought, a bad thought that came out, I'd put it in a little brown package. I'd even tie it up in my mind. I tell you, I thought, no, I'm putting it in this box. I wrap it up in brown paper, tie it up, and I take it downstairs to the incinerator. And throw that box in the center and watch them thoughts burn up. And now I'm telling you what started happening to me is I quit thinking about bad stuff. I started controlling my thoughts. Because the Bible says God has given me a sound mind. He's given me the ability to do it. I have it. All i got to do is access it. And see, when I do that, then I'm not worrying about looking at the girl, looking at the girl. I'm not worrying about that because when the thought comes to me, it's like, I reject that thought. I don't want that thought. Let's go burn it up and move on. And it really does work. It really will. If you'll begin to do that, then you can begin to overcome that law that's in your members. The Bible talks about in, in Romans 7. Y'all remember the law that's in your members? Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago, that law of sin and death that operates in your members. 
because it's still in your members, according to Romans 7. There's a spiritual law at work in you that will pull you down, but I have a mind that's greater than that law. Okay? I have a more powerful mind. It's called the law of spirit and life in Christ Jesus that operates in my mind, that can overcome that law of sin and death that operates in my flesh. So if you'll begin to do that, then that's taking up the cross. And that's, that, that's following Christ. Are y'all with me on that? It works, I promise you. All right, everybody, let's stand up. Are y'all good? I hope so. Did I yell too much at you? No, I had somebody, I told you, I ain't coming to that church, you're yelling. One person said the reason they came here because I didn't yell. I'm serious, they tell me, I said, oh, that's not right. Oh, I do yell. You just must have earplugs on. I've been yelling. You ain't heard it. All right, I want you to raise your hand if you have been a person who's been spiritually dull recently. Raise your hand. See, what God wants to do is He wants to break that dullness off of you today. He wants to let you know there's a prophetic moment that He wants you to not miss. He's got a door open. He, he doesn't want that spirit of Joash on you. Okay, let's get rid of the spirit of Joash. We don't want to be dull and unaggressive like Joash. Father, right now, we come against that spirit that was resting on Joash that made us dull and made us go halfway, Lord. We don't want to be halfway, Lord. Lord, we just come against that. We want to be all the way. We want to be like Elisha. We are so focused. You could send fire from heaven, and we would look right past that, Lord, because We've heard something from heaven and we believe what you say, God. And we're willing to do what it takes. We're going to look beyond whatever it is that's distracting us. We're going to look over all this stuff, Lord. And we're going to put our eyes on stuff that you want us to put it on because we're going to get that breakthrough. We're going to get that hard thing dealt with in our lives, Lord. I believe the Lord's saying He wants to go into the hard thing. That angel was here, that big old angel. Big-legged angel. He could push some walls down in your life. You got a wall. You got something that's so big, you just I can't do this. You raise your hands to the Lord this morning. Lord, we call forth. Lord, you sent an angel here. I pray you go, Lord. I pray for the healings. I pray for the breakthroughs of miracles, Lord. We just release you right now, Holy Spirit, to do it. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Lord, let us not go to heaven. Let's push all the way through. Knock every wall down. Knock everything down that stands between us and Christ. Lord, help us to be people that respond to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And not be people who are just around it, but people be who are in the middle of it. Thank you, Jesus.